Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It's November the 9th, and what is distinguishing November 9th, 2021, is Joe Biden's Democracy Summit, the Summit for Democracy, which began, I think, online uh, in Washington, D.C. today. Hasn't been getting particularly good reviews. Uh, what's missing from Biden's Democracy Summit? One CNN pundit asks. Uh, another uh, guest essay in the New York Times suggests that Biden is selling democracy short. I'm not sure if one should ever sell democracy. That may indeed be the problem these days with so many contemporary democracies, is that democracy is indeed being sold. Yesterday, we had Frank Vogel on the show, uh, author of an interesting book, The Enablers, How the West Supports Kleptocrats and Corruption, Endangering Our Democracy. Uh, Vogel suggesting that the biggest problem with democracy is indeed corruption of families in power. And the Biden people seem to be acknowledge this. They put out a fact sheet today suggesting that they are fi that fighting against corruption is now a core U.S. national uh, security issue. Others are suggesting that there needs to be a new transatlantic anti-corruption uh, strategy between Biden and the EU. Um, and the White House is putting out all sorts of fact sheets. I'm not sure if anyone reads these fact sheets. Certainly uh, very different from the Trump presidency. Uh, earlier today, I talked with Jonathan Carl, the ABC White House correspondent, author of the best-selling Betrayal, the final act of the Trump show. And this afternoon, we're bringing those two things together. Conversation with David K. Johnson, the big cheat, how Donald Trump fleeced America and enriched himself and his family. In other words, combination of betrayal and the enablers. Uh, David, welcome. Well, thank you for having me, Andrew. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, David, with uh, Frank Vogel's book, The Enablers, How the West Supports Kleptocrats and Corruption Endangering Our Democracy. But one of the things that struck me was that Biden's summit for democracy was still suggesting that America is unique and special around the world when it comes to democracy. My sense from your book and indeed your work, you are called the Dean of Trumpologists, is that Trump essentially is no different from Putin or Erdogan or Orban or any of the other kleptocrats around the world. Is that fair? Yes, no, that's entirely fair. And Donald is, is to be distinguished from the 44 previous presidents in a very simple way. Whatever you think of Andrew Jackson, Abraham Lincoln, uh, uh, Bill Clinton, all of them did what they thought was best for the country. That was their effort. Donald has never been about what's best for the country. Donald is about what's best for Donald. And so far, my batting average on predictions about how he would behave in the White House and later, including that he would not leave peacefully, uh, is steady at 1,000. Perfect score. Why would he not leave um, willingly? Jonathan Carl talks about this, and this is one of the core arguments in his book, right. um, is that 
Trump had to essentially be dragged out of the White House. Are you suggesting that his refusal to, to leave power uh, and his so-called big lie or the big lie of the big lie is bound up in self-interest, that leaving the White House would be unprofitable from an economic point of view? Well, Andrew, six years ago, I said if Trump got into the White House, he would not leave peacefully. Uh, you have to understand who Donald Trump is. Uh, I've known him for 33 years. Donald believes, seriously believes, that of course he should be president. No one else should be running the country. In fact, he should run the whole world because everybody else is an idiot. And he's talked in dictatorial terms all throughout the campaign. He talked in dictatorial terms. And just today, uh, the news has come out that uh, the White House, after Joe Biden won both the popular vote and the electoral college vote, had a 38-page plan for how to take over the government by having the military count ballots. And, of course, the commander-in-chief can issue orders about uh, how you're going to do this or that. Officers are required not to follow illegal orders, but grunts, that's another matter. And Donald is someone who has no understanding of what's in the Constitution. He once said, I have an Article 3 that says I can do anything. No, that's not at all what it says. So to Donald, to be removed from the White House before he dies, that, that's to lose. And in the Trump family he grew up in, as Mary Trump has talked about eloquently, that's his niece, uh, winning is everything. All that matters is that you don't get arrested or charged criminally for doing it. But if you can lie, cheat, and steal, go right ahead. Just don't get criminally charged. David, as I said, you are known as the Dean of Trumpologists. People will be familiar with previous book. It's even worse than you think what the Trump administration is doing to America. This was a couple of years ago. You also wrote The Making of Donald Trump, a number of other books on Trump. Um, is there anything about him that surprises you? Are you suggesting you knew everything before it all started? You said you've known him for 35 years. Is that personally what initially attracted you to him? Well, what, what originally I met Donald 33 years ago, I had been at the LA Times for many years, was the first person to go seriously examine the Los Angeles Police Department, which basically ruined my career at the LA Times because the editors and the publisher didn't want to go after the LAPD. So I left and I went to Atlantic City for the Philadelphia Inquirer because I believed that casino gambling was about to spread all across America. I wrote a book called Temples of Chance about how America Inc. bought out Murder Inc., the criminals, in other words, to run the casino business, and quite accurately predicted how casino gambling spread. And about half the book was about Donald uh, demonstrating, in the very opening words of the book, his utter incompetence in the casino business. His executives are always filling my ear with, this guy has no idea what he's doing, and he's screwing up the business. Uh, his dishonesty, he, he, the only known case of a house in Atlantic City cheating players was at Donald Trump's Trump Castle. And generally, the, the, the character he is. And I realized at the time that like some other people, uh, Jack Welch at GE, Baron Hilton, uh, Daryl Gates, the paranoid LAPD police chief, that he was going to continue to be more important in the future, a, a major cultural force. And he was already saying he should be president. Uh, so I simply followed him along. And 
in the White House, no, there wasn't anything he did that particularly surprised me. There were things he didn't do uh, that I thought he would, but those go to his incompetence as a manager. He's not a businessman. He's the third generation head of a four generation white collar crime family that started in the late 1800s here in America. And they don't break legs. Uh, they don't sell dope. They uh, lie, cheat, and steal with contracts and promises that they know they're never going to fulfill. David, uh, I mentioned this earlier. How similar do you think Trump is to Putin? There's been a lot of books, gossip, arguments about his connection with Putin, why he's so sympathetic. Erdogan in, in Turkey, who Trump calls um, the Sultan. Duterte in Philippines. Bolsonaro in Brazil, who he's very keen on, uh, Orban in, in Hungary, who, for better or worse, is involved in this democracy summit. All these men seem to be the same. They're all running family rackets. So there's nothing particularly unusual about Trump internationally, is there? No, not at that level at all. I mean, America, some of my European friends uh, have pointed out to me that, well, we've had people like Donald Trump off and on for hundreds of years. You guys are lucky. You went 240 years before you got somebody like uh, you now have or had at the time we were speaking. Uh, Donald is not in the same league uh, as, as a, Putin, I assume. As Putin, certainly not G. President G is a very sophisticated guy. Uh, and in Putin's case, uh, Putin is a, a, a sharp guy with a a, a two goals out there. One is uh, he wants to get rid of democracy. He thinks it's a joke. He said that very clearly. He wants dictatorships everywhere. So he's trying to sow chaos and distrust and get people not to trust elections, as in the big lie. And secondly, because Donald admires people who act like he does with no restraints, he sucks up to these people in the most embarrassing way to everybody who isn't Donald Trump. Um, we've had a number of shows about the systematic or systemic corruption of the international economy. We had the Financial Times journalist Tom Burgess on. Um, he has a really important new book out called Kleptopia, How Dirty Money is Conquering the World. And I also interviewed Catherine Belton, uh, author of Putin's People, How the KGB took back Russia and then took on the West, the KGB being a kind of dirty money uh, secret service. How does the Trump dynasty, the Trump business, and Trump himself fit in to this new kleptopia ruling the world? Well, um, Andrew, there is approximately 40 to $50 trillion of illicit money sloshing around the globe, according to Jim Henry, who was a senior executive at GE, and he gave all that up almost 50 years ago to devote his life to exposing illicit finance. Uh, $50 trillion, that's a number you can't imagine. It's all the economic output of the United States for two and a half years. And this is in the hands of kleptocrats, tax evaders, people hiding money from their spouses, their business partners. And there are a number of excellent books that have been coming out on this issue. It has been an emerging issue for, oh, I don't know, for about 30 years, but it's really caught fire. But, but is Trump a, a product or a cause of this new world? You know, we, in America, 
for better or worse, we seem to fetishize this man, but he doesn't seem to be particularly different or unusual. No, I, I don't think he is at all. I mean, Donald has long been involved in money laundering. He's done numerous deals with uh, Russians, and I mean, broadly speaking, Russian people, so Ukrainians, Kazakhs, etc., that uh, a lot of journalists, not just me, have shown make no business sense whatsoever. But if you looked at as money laundering operations, they make absolutely perfect sense. And what's important here is, in the United States at least, we have very weak white collar crime laws. So it's very easy to not get convicted of crimes because Congress has made it very hard by the way they've described crimes. We don't have enough law enforcement focus on it, and Congress has put restrictions on the kinds of things that the Internal Revenue Service, mm. uh, the, uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, the Drug Enforcement Administration, and FinCEN, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, can do to find people like this. Donald is a little fish in that sea of money, but he is part of that whole uh, world of illicit money. And thus, of course, as I said earlier, um, Biden's commitment, I think, to fighting corruption, the need for a, a, a democratic coalition against corruption. I also assume that part of that is just an attempt to control and perhaps indict Biden, uh, not Biden, uh, Trump. We are talking to David K. Johnson, the author of The Big Cheat, How Donald Trump Fleeced America and Enriched Himself and His Family. Uh, he is the dean of Trumpologists, and he knows more about Donald than anyone. So he's the one who's telling us how he's continuing to fleece America. Uh, David, we're going to be back in one second. We're going to take a brief break, and then we'll be back. And I want to talk specifically about how Trump has fleeced America during his presidency. So hold on for about 90 seconds, and we'll be back. Hi, everyone. Andrew here again. I'm not sure if you're listening or watching or even reading about this Keenon show. I certainly hope you're enjoying it, but I wanted to remind you that there are many different ways you can use to enjoy my Keenon show. The first, of course, is by, in a very traditional way, subscribing to the audio-only podcast. You can do this um, using Apple or Spotify or CastBox, or many of the other traditional uh, podcast distribution platforms. We're on all of them. And if you want to access uh, all the podcasts together, you can go to my LitHub page um, in their podcast section, which is dedicated to all the interviews. Uh, if you're into watching this, as opposed to simply listening, um, if you follow me on Twitter at AJ Keen, you can watch these shows live uh, and you can do the same um, if we're connected uh, on LinkedIn. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not a great fan of Facebook, but LitHub is. And on their LitHub live page, you can watch these shows live as well. Um, in terms of uh, recorded videos, uh, not live. You can see all the shows on the LitHub YouTube page. So whatever your preference, whatever your taste, whether it's video or audio or text, 
there's no excuse for not watching or listening to my show. Now, back to Keenan. We're back with David K. Johnson, the author of The Big Cheat, How Donald Trump Fleeced America and Enriched Himself and His Family. Um, David, his family. They remind me in, in some ways of the Ceausescu's in, in Romania. They look <laughs> as obscene as them. Here we have a picture of, of the family. The, the daughter, Ivanka, is, I think, a particularly peasant-like Ceausescu-style um, figure. Here we have an image of her carrying the infamous white designer bag um, to the, the protest, the, the press appearance in which the Bible exists, uh, in which he was carrying the Bible when uh, Trump appeared outside St. John's Church in, in Washington, D.C. during the uh, Black Lives Matter protests. What is it about this family, David, that, um, that makes them such an effective vehicle for mass corruption? Well, the... Most important thing about that, Andrew, is that Donald Trump was tutored by the notorious Roy Cohn from the McCarthy hearings. He was Senator McCarthy's attack dog uh, lawyer uh, and in the early 1950s. And uh, Roy Cohn went on to represent all sorts of people, uh, including a number of top mobsters. And Donald has described him as his second father. Although his first father was hardly a saint, was he? Oh, his first father was a monster. That's why Donald is the way he is. He was an absolute monster of a human being. Uh, he, he destroyed his older son, uh, Fred Jr. Right, but are you suggesting more of a psychological monster yes. than, a, than a gangster? No, that's exactly right. He, he, uh, uh, his, his demands of his sons that were psychological were just totally suffocating. And, and Mary Trump has written about this. She was often yeah, a family. Yeah, the niece. The, the niece, that's correct, Fred Trump Jr.'s daughter. Uh, but uh, understand that uh, Donald um, took two things from Roy Cohn that have been very helpful. The first one is if law enforcement comes after you, they're corrupt, they're dishonest, they're trying to somehow interfere with you, and you attack law enforcement relentlessly without ever conceding any point, even if it's obvious that that point is true. And the second strategy, which has served him exceptionally well, is delay, 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 delay. I mean, Donald took the access to his accounting records at his accounting firm to the Supreme Court twice. Uh, and the court, you know, took its own sweet time. All the courts did to deal with this instead of recognizing this was a terribly important matter that should have gone to the head of the docket. David, what about the family, though, it, it, itself? Um... Uh, we have here we have the image of the the sons, the daughter-in-laws. There's always different daughter-in-laws, uh, Ivanka and Jared, of course. How important are they in the big cheat in this fleecing of America? Are they uh, are they meeting or were they meeting every week to figure out how to fleece America, or is there something somehow just implicit in the way they operate? Yeah, it's simply the way that they operate. It, it, to Donald. Everything is transactional. Uh, Donald is not unique about this, Andrew. Uh, I'm sure you've met uh, people in American or British life like Many this. people. And, and in They're, some ways, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, tr no, transactional relationships, as long as you're honest about them, are fair enough. Right. But his marriages are trans, except perhaps for the second one, 
are transactional relationships. Donald has no capacity for empathy for others, for love. He can't laugh at himself. He can't tell a joke. Uh, you know, you, 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 uh, if you have children and I raised eight of them and you can't laugh at yourself, you're going to be a monster of a parent. And so Donald's family, the value, the only value is you won. You got the money and you didn't get caught or you at least didn't get arrested. And they don't care about anything else. They don't think with a sense of a moral uh, uh, contract with the rest of society. And when Donald says something, that means it's true. Even if he contradicts himself 90 seconds later, Donald creates his own reality and this permeates the family. So they, there's no sense of shame in this family, no sense of embarrassment that most human beings have. It is, in Donald's case, for sure, absolutely. Uh, 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 so he's an absolute is there a mini Donald? Uh, people say it's Ivanka. Does, is she the one who has most um, directly inherited this grifter character, this successful grifter character? Yes, absolutely. She and her husband, Jared Kushner, who are very, the Kushner families are very much like the Trumps. The rules don't apply to us. So when President Xi was going to come to Mar-a-Lago to meet with Donald Trump as president, uh, suddenly, with remarkable speed, the Chinese government issued a whole bunch of trademarks, service marks, other intellectual property to Ivanka, including, for of all things, Voting machines, an odd thing to do in a, in a communist dictatorship that doesn't have elections. Uh, now, if you or I wanted to get a, uh, a trademark in China, we would have to hire the right Communist Party lawyers in Beijing. We'd spend a lot of money. It would take us years. She got hers in the snap of a finger. Uh, and this was President Xi buttering up Donald because it's clear Donald is subject to flattery. You flatter Donald and he says nice things about well, you. In a business terms, are you suggesting, David, um, in your big cheat, how Donald Trump fleeced America and enriched himself and his family? Are you suggesting that practically every policy decision was determined by whether or not it benefited Trump economically in his business? Well, no, uh, not quite. Uh, there were an enormous number of them, unlike anything we've ever seen before. There were decisions that were motivated by Donald's uh, deep racist attitudes. Um, Which he inherited from his father. Yes, and uh, uh, who was arrested in 1927 during a pitched battle between New York police and KKK members and supporters. Something Donald denies, despite all the public record that it happened. Well, they're on the record in terms of being not willing to uh, rent to uh, African-Americans. Yes, uh, that's a story I told in one of the previous books about African-Americans and even Puerto Ricans. And uh, 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 Woody Guthrie wrote a song about it that is quoted in my biography, The Making of Donald Trump. But separating children from their parents at the border and then losing track of these children uh, that wasn't motivated by money. That was motivated by uh, the fact that his minister of hate, Stephen Miller, uh, sold him on that policy. So it, it isn't a laser focus on every single thing, but yeah, everywhere he could. Donald was so focused on turning the White House into a money machine that 40 minutes after he took the oath of office, he started drifting. He had the motorcade taking him from the Capitol to the White House stop in front of his hotel. None of the TV networks, not even PBS, 
mentioned where they stopped. Yeah, this hotel. There's the, the Trump International Hotel in Washington, D.C. I'm going to D.C. actually on Sunday. D does that capture the Trump administration and, and Trump's own self-interest, his corruption, better than anything else? Yes, that's the, the model I use to show that Trump said, if, in, in essence, when he stopped on the sidewalk, if you want something from my administration, you will pay tribute to me. And the best way to do it is at the International Hotel. You could do it at the Doral Country Club or other places. And then I show how the Saudis, the American head of uh, T-Mobile, who wanted a $26 billion favor from the administration and others, went out of their way to spend money in this place and make sure Donald knew about it so that he would think of them favorably because that's how his mind works. Oh, you went and stayed at my hotel and spent thousands of dollars. Sure, here's a deal uh, worth $26 billion. Happy to have it for, give it to you. What's the bottom line, David, on the, um, on the four years that Trump uh, was president? Did he make money from it? Did the Trump organization profit from his presidency? Well, he took in an enormous amount of money. Uh, he billed the government at the maximum rate for everything he could, including... I mean, that was also an obscenity, wasn't it? Yes. And $3.15 each for glasses of water that were used as props when he had a photo op with Shinzo Abe, the Japanese prime minister. Uh, how much he actually made that was profit to him, we don't know. He took in over $1.6 billion in his businesses. But remember, Donald keeps two sets of books. That came out in the indictment of the Trump Organization. Uh, last year, and or, or I'm sorry, last summer, and so we've Donald's finances have always been smoke and mirrors. Back when he was saying on different days he was worth three billion or five billion, I proved he wasn't a billionaire with his own data. He attacked me and called me a liar. This is in 1990, and then he had to put a document in the record that showed he had a negative net worth of about 300 million dollars. All of his finances are smoke and mirrors. Donald is a wealthy man. I don't think anybody would dispute that, but he's never been a billionaire, much less somebody worth 10 billion plus, as he has claimed many, many times. David, what do you make of um, the New York Attorney General's attempt to subpoena Trump in, in these various fraud investigations? Are they going to go anywhere? Is all, all this legal work to make him accountable for his dishonesty? Well, Letitia James, the New York Attorney General, was elected on a promise that she was going to investigate Trump and the Trump Organization. I think for Donald, the much more threatening case is the Manhattan District Attorney. There's a grand jury Cyrus, lawyer. That, Cyrus Vance. Cy Vance, who's about to be replaced by another elected uh, district attorney. But Mark Pomerantz, who as a prosecutor, was the top expert on the federal racketeering law, as a defense lawyer, wrote the most important essay for uh, criminal lawyers about the racketeering law, was brought in to oversee this case. New York State has a racketeering law patterned after the federal law. And that case is very troubling for Donald. The reason we haven't seen an indictment yet is after the four years of fighting not to turn over the documents, it turned out there wasn't a million pages, there was five million pages, and the prosecutors have to go through every one of those pages because they can't have anything come up at trial that is uh, unexpected. David, as I said earlier, we interviewed Jonathan Carl, the, uh, the, the White House ABC correspondent, best-selling author, Betrayal, the final act of the Trump show. 
And I said to John, well, the final act, the Trump show seems to be going on and on and on. It seems, if anything, to be more popular now, more potential narrative twists and turns than any time before. Carl said to me, he doesn't expect Trump to run again for president. What What do you think? You're a, you're, you're, you're a, um, the dean of the Trumpologists. Do you think that Trump is plotting a return? Or is all this smoke and mirrors to avoid prosecution and somehow benefit himself? Well, saying he's going to run has been very lucrative for Donald, who has become America's beggar in chief. He's taken in somewhere approaching half a billion dollars from donors. And I talk about how he fleeced a lot of ordinary Americans, a, a dying man. He took every penny the guy had out of his bank account. But it's, uh, you know, he is fleecing them, but it's so obvious. I mean, if people are stupid enough to give him money, they get but, what they deserve, don't they? But so long as he says he's running, then he's going to keep that money machine going. And he needs that money to pay criminal defense lawyers once he is indicted. Once he's indicted, I think the whole atmosphere changes. Um, you mean by, by Vance or by uh, Letitia by, James? By, Vance, by Letitia James, by Mimi Roca in Westchester County, by the Attorney General of Washington, D.C., by the... Um, so you think the Trump show is finishing? It's, it's, it's final episodes, or it may even be over? Oh, I think Donald will be with us till the day that he dies, and he'll probably live to be a very old man based on his family history. But... Uh, I don't know. I don't think he'll go back to the White House. Uh, I don't think there's any chance of that unless the Republicans are successful in all the things they're doing now to set it up so that only Republicans can win elections. That is the end of our democracy. Right. And we uh, the head, another headline today is on the McConnell-McCarthy divide. McConnell seems much less keen on Trump than McCarthy. What's in it for the Republican Party to divorce itself from Trump? I think the Republicans made a terrible mistake on January 6th. They had the opportunity right then to do what Kevin McCarthy did for about five seconds, and that was denounce Trump and separate themselves from him for being behind And Carl Trump. does write about that, actually, in an interesting way in his yeah. book, the, uh, yeah. the episode between McCarthy and, and, and Trump. So he acknowledges that. Yeah. It, I, I, and, and as more is coming out from the January 6th committee, we're going to see that Donald Trump was deeply involved along with his staff in this event. This wasn't a spontaneous out of nowhere event. It was a plot to overthrow the government. And so Donald is someone who he, he doesn't believe in democracy. He believes in Donald and that he's special. And that's the thing you have to keep in your mind about this man. He, he is, has no moral character whatsoever. I don't think anyone would disagree. I mean, that's not really news now, is it? No, that's not news. And yet uh, people need to keep this in mind because he hasn't gone away yet. And because the Republicans didn't take advantage of the opportunity they had on January 6th to separate themselves, now you're seeing politicians having to make a choice. Either like Liz Cheney, you risk everything to... Uh, behave with some modicum of respectability, or you completely submit to Trumpism, which Trump, in an interview he just gave to Hugh Hewitt, the right-wing radio talk show host, he makes very clear, has nothing to do with democracy. It's about the cult worship of, of the leader. And so I, I don't know how the Republicans get out of this. I don't want to live in a country with one-party rule by either party. When the Democrats controlled the House for four decades, 1954 to 1994. That wasn't good for the country. And the, how we're going to get out of this, 
that's very, very uncertain. Our democracy in America is in danger. It can disappear. We can be under a dictatorship and we need to treat this seriously. So I encounter people all the time who have Trump fatigue. Well, excuse me, if anybody has Trump fatigue, it should be me, but yeah. I recognize what a threat he is. And it tells us a lot, by the way, about what's happened to our education system, that we're not teaching civics. I teach- You uh, said you had eight right. children, David. Um, any of them like Donald Trump? No, no, none, not at all, not at all. Uh, Good, well, I am talking, you, you talked about um, uh, the facts. Uh, the Big Cheat is a very factual book, um, how Donald Trump fleeced American, enriched himself and his family. Uh, David, you list this in a in a in a in a unambiguously convincing way i'm curious if there is a scott fitzgerald uh, around who's going to fictionalize the america we live in would they base the story in mar-a-lago we had nicholas nehemas on the show last year talking about the symbolic role of mar-a-lago in in, in trumpism is mar-a-lago where the story begins and perhaps even ends? Well, it could be a very good setting for that. You know, 20 years ago, I was hired to write a proposal for a movie about Donald. Citizen Kane in Mar-a-Lago, right? Yeah, well, and I didn't know who it was who asked me to write the movie proposal. I found out later that it was Tim Burton. Now, imagine what Tim Burton, if he would make that movie, could do with Donald Trump. I mean, it, he, he, I want to see whatever movie Tim Burton wants to make. And yes, there are going to be novels and books 100 years from now about this guy. How did he get into the White House? How did so many people get taken? Donald's the greatest con artist in the history of the world. He conned his way into the White House. That's an incredible story. And I, I'm just- What's well, particularly I'm, incredible is that everybody knows it. No one would even, I don't think he would even argue with you. Oh, he would insist that he'd known what's an insult to do that. But but that would be, you know, he knows, of course he knows that he, he's a crook. And, you know, I, I'm in the business of identifying uh, corrupt acts and structural problems in government and fixing problems. Novelists are in the business of finding problems, creating them so there's dramatic tension. I wish I had that skill. I don't. But I'm sure that fiction writers, high quality, F. Scott Fitzgerald level, uh, fiction writers, they're going to produce novels and especially movies that will be very revealing to people about who Donald Trump really is, what he really did. And as more comes out, hopefully more and more of the 74 million people who voted for this guy are going to take the blinders off. Will it be the end of the Trump show? Any potential novelists or, or filmmakers out there need to read David K. Johnson's new book, The Big Cheat, How Donald Trump Fleeced American, Enriched Himself and His Family. Congratulations on another successful Trump book, um, David. In addition to your new book, what else should people be reading? I know you're talking to me from your home in Rochester, New York in December 2021, hopefully in a, a post-Trump America. Well, uh, the book you've mentioned repeatedly um, by Jonathan Carl, Betrayal, I think that's the single most important book uh, by a Washington insider that's come out. And well, Carl will be thrilled that, that you well, said he, that. I just interviewed him earlier today. Yeah, he did meticulous work gathering string, as we call it in this business, and he's woven it into a really powerful book. 
the second most important book, I think, is uh, the one by Bob Woodward in which he has Donald Trump telling him privately that the coronavirus is going to be a disaster while saying to the public, oh, there's nothing here and uh, uh, don't worry about that. Uh, because that really gets to how the way journalists cover Washington and the White House, it's kabuki theater. Um, I've always covered Washington from afar. I do the documents. When I was the New York Times tax reporter, I didn't cover the IRS from Washington. I did it from my home in Rochester and from New York City and from flying all over the country. Once you get into the Washington Press Corps maw, it's access journalism it's not digging into the public record. That's the news service I run, dcreport.org. It's a little tiny nonprofit operation. We have broken several dozen stories on a, a minuscule budget, $200,000 a year. And I hope that, you haven't taken any money from the Trumps. That, no, but that, you know, it's all, almost all small donors, um, $5 a month sort of people. But we've broken all sorts of stories that were just blindingly obvious, but nobody covered them in Washington because the rewards for Washington coverage are about palace intrigues and, and gaffes and screw-ups, not about substance. And it, it's a limited market. That's why we haven't raised that much money for our non-advertising nonprofit, uh, DC Report. A lot of people, they don't really care about how well their government is run, but your freedom, your quality of life, your economics, really depend on how well our government is run, and not just at the federal level, state and local as well. Well, David K. Johnson, the author of The Big Cheat, How Donald Trump Fleeced America and Enriched Himself and His Family, an honor to talk. I hope there's not going to be another book. Uh, no, I was going to call you Donald. That would have been a, a bit of yeah. an error. Uh, David, uh, no. Uh, I hope no more books on Trump. I think that the We've had enough books on Trump. Uh, next time, maybe write a book about reviving civic virtue in America, as you talked earlier. And when you do, I hope you'll come back on the show. So, Well, I uh, will. But my next book, Andrew, is uh, something I put aside six years ago. I have uh, set up an entirely new tax system. It would work in the U.S., in all of Western Europe, in Japan. And every expert who's looked at it says it works. But I hope that Trump won't use it to cheat on his taxes. No, he wouldn't be able to do so. Nobody would be able to cheat under my system. And tax administrators and and uh, uh, business people have who've gone over it all say it would work. What they say is so many people get rich off the tax system. The many corporations turn a profit off the corporate income tax that they're all going to fight it. But And the, my trick is to explain it to ordinary people so they go, yeah, why don't we do that? That would be simple and easy. Good. Well, David, come back on the show and we can talk taxes next time. Keep well. Congratulations on the new book and happy new year. Likewise. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks so much for watching this Keenon show. I hope you were inspired in some way. I hope you found it interesting. And if you want more of these kinds of shows, you need to subscribe uh, to the podcast uh, on the Apple or, or, or CastBox or Spotify platforms. All major podcast platforms carry the Keenon show. Or you can also watch live uh, on my Twitter page, uh, my LinkedIn network, uh, or on LitHub's uh, Facebook Live page. Um, I also hope you'll decide to follow me on Substack. Uh, I have uh, a newsletter on Substack in which I 
develop and expand on a lot of the themes we discuss in the uh, Keen On show. And I hope you'll also follow up with me personally, uh, perhaps uh, to give suggestions for future shows. You might email me at a.keen at me.com. Or you may also email me with suggestions about potential guests. I'm very open, uh, very eager, in fact, to have requests, ideas of, of people with interesting new books and projects, which I need to talk about. So thanks so much again for, for, for watching Keen On. I'm thrilled that you're a member of our community, and I'll look forward to hearing from you in the not too distant future.